what would I say to other people who are afraid to niche and exclude potential clients? That is something I'm working on right now too. And that's a mindset. That's a scarcity mindset that there's not going to be enough for you in your particular niche. And I just don't believe that in my conscious. And I'm trying to get my subconscious to get on board with me. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. BuildLane is a platform that makes it super easy for designers to specify custom furniture. They are changing the game. The end result is an unleashing of your creativity Whatever you can imagine can be built. And whether or not you're a novice at custom furniture design or an expert, Build Lane's team can make the process super easy. Head on over to buildlane.com. That's buildlane.com. Use code WINGNUT250 to get a $250 discount just for you. Buildlane.com. This podcast is also brought to you by guess who? WingNut Social. We are a digital marketing agency for interior designers and adjacent verticals such as home pros, architects, landscapers, decorators, home stagers, home business coaches, you name it. Give us a call at 786-206-4331 or go look at our case studies from our happy, happy interior design clients at wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla Jethro Powell, the Grand High Pooba of all things Wingnut at Wingnut Social, the marketing agency for interior designers. Today on the show, we have Erica Reiner, and Erica is going to tell us all about how niching into eco-friendly design has helped her, helped her firm, her business, and her personally to be a happier, more fulfilled interior designer, how she markets to that end to get those ideal clients And you know, eco-design is a huge movement. It's a big, growing industry. Thankfully, I love it. I'm a Taurus, so I love all things earth. Earth, mud, trees, and dirt. Throw all that at me. (laughs) Maybe even literally. I don't mind. I don't mind getting dirty. I think I love the direction that it's going. And I think that the impact COVID has had has made just people a little bit more aware as to the importance of being healthy in our spaces, in our life, and et cetera. So Erica's going to give us all the skinny on that. And she also joins us in the premium, in Wingnut Premium, the bonus extra members-only episode afterwards, because not only do we extend this conversation about green design and the impact it's had on the industry and her business, eco-friendly design, but she has a special method that she uses in order to get referrals from her interior design clientele. And when she told me what it was, I was like, oh, that is so sweet. What a great idea. And let me tell you, it's not it's not expensive at all. So if you're not a Wingnut Premium member, head on over to wingnutpremium.com to get all the goods on that. Not only do you get the extended bonus episodes each week, either with our guests or with myself with some helpful, friendly tips and advice and insights on mindset and running your interior design business, but you get a monthly content calendar to plan your Instagram content out each month at the risk of being redundant, but even more importantly, and the thing that's had the biggest impact besides the bonus episodes, which I I love doing and I'm very proud of, is monthly on our premium Facebook group, which is again, members only, we have a little get together, a little mini interior design mastermind brouhaha, where designers will ask me questions about their marketing, we'll review their marketing, myself and my team, 
any questions. It's an open free for all, you know, many enter, only one can leave. No, I'm just kidding. That's a cage match. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, we get a lot of value out of it. And not only do you get value from myself and my team, but um, it's a peer-to-peer kind of thing, too. You can learn from questions that other designers are asking that maybe you haven't thought of, and other designers may have some answers to something design and business-related. It's just a really, really great thing, and, and I love it so, so much. And our next mastermind for the month of August is going to be at 1 p.m. on August the 25th. So you have plenty of time to get over there, register, become a member of Wingnut Premium at wingnutpremium.com and get in on the mastermind sesh. I look forward to seeing you there. Okay, before we get into my interview with Erica Reiner, y'all know what time it is. It's time for mini news, mini news sesh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We welcome back Emily Lisi, who is the digital content manager for Wingnut Social. And Emily, I am super excited about the potential of this new feature that Instagram is rolling out. Tell us all about it. Yeah, this is a super exciting one. It's what Instagram is calling a collab feature. So what this is going to be is it's going to let two users on Instagram basically collab together on a feed post or a reel. Okay, so what do you mean by collab? Like you can tag the other person in there? Because they've been doing that. What What do you mean by this? Yeah, so the way that it'll work, it won't be exactly like tagging. It'll be where Instagram will give you the option to tag a person. But from there, the other account will get a notification that is telling them that that you want to be a collaborator with them on a post or a reel. If they accept that invite, then both accounts will appear at the very top of that post. So that feed post or that reel will be coming from both of your accounts, basically. Oh, wow. So will the reel actually show up on your account and their account? Like a twofer? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll show up on both accounts. That's amazing. You can double your your awareness and your reach just by doing this. Cl- yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so this isn't rolled out everywhere right now. So right now, of course, they're testing it in India and the UK. So did they say anything about when, you know, what they're looking for or when this might roll out broadly or even if it will? Nope. You know how Instagram is. They're pretty <laughs> top secret when it comes to this stuff. Right, right. When we see a feature like this come out to be testing like this, there's a good chance that it it in some form will become a feature. So it's a good sign that they are testing this. I can say that. I'm really, really excited about that. Just think if you could get somebody in your industry that you're acquainted with, that you have a a good rapport with or engagement, and they have twice the amount of followers you you do, and you do a reel and tag them or a vendor or a superstar interior designer, maybe you're doing some aspirational design work, something similar to that. Who knows? It's limitless. The possibilities there, you could (laughs) grow your reach crazy. This is going to be a terrific way too for influencer marketing to monetize their following with people to have them collab and to share. Oh, there's, there's just so many potential for this. I, I'm yeah, really excited yeah, about super this. Exciting. Let's get on top of this one when it does come out, Emily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily Lisi, thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week for some more amazing mini news. All righty. Awesome. Mini news sesh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before I get into my interview with Erica Reiner, let me tell you a little bit about the woman. Erica is the owner, designer of Eco Method Interiors. Her company helps people transform their space, health, and the planet. She works on full service and e-design for commercial and residential projects. She also has a podcast called Green by Design. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Erica Reiner to the Wingnut Social Podcast. 
Hey there, Erica Reiner. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am really well. How the hell are you? <laughs> I am doing excellent today. Thank you for nobody ever asks me. So already warm oh. fuzzies going <laughs> going straight into the show. Thank you. Oh, care. Good. You, you really care. I love it. Erica, today we're talking about something that's near and dear to my heart and is kind of like biophilic design, green design eco design. And you are an expert at this. And before we dig in and tell the uh, audience how they can wrap their business around this niche, if they so desire, tell me just a little bit about your experience and what led you down this path and we'll get started. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I first heard you on Luann Nigera's podcast and I was like, oh, I have to know her. So I've been following along a little bit and our stories are somewhat similar in that we had like a later career change. And so that is something that really stuck out to me about you. Yeah. In my past life, I was in the environmental science industry and an environmental science um, adjunct professor. And I did a decorating certificate sort of for fun between degrees. And then I was like, how can I, you know, I love interior design. So did my mom kind of grew up around it. And I want to start my own business. I wanted that very badly after experiencing what a lot of us experience with feeling underachieved, <laughs> undervalued, underpaid, yeah. under, 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 underwhelmed, all the things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can literally never work for anyone else again. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. So I wanted to start my own business. And at first I had all these different services and the design was very separate from the eco-friendly part. I talk with my hands and I smack the microphone a lot during this interview. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's separate. And then I was like, wait a minute. I think we could marry these two together. And I could I think I heard the expression niche until it hurts. And I was like, okay, it hurts. So I'm going to niche into eco-friendly interior design. And I, you know, there's a lot of words for eco-friendly, but I chose that one specifically. So there you have it. Your previous job experience was in what again? So I was in the environmental industry for a long time, everything from plastics recycling to solar oh, okay. sales to what else did I do? Oh, I worked at a startup that did was trying to do just like electric car sharing and electric car carpooling and stuff like that. Okay, and that was cool. the last real job I had. Yeah. Oh, and then the environmental science teaching. So I taught at a high school for one year, and then I moved up into um, some local colleges around here. And that I really loved, but it was poverty-inducing, so I had to leave it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's poverty-inducing. I drive an electric car, by the way. See, we're bonding even, even harder. So you've had a passion for the environmental sciences, the green planet kind of thing, even before. Have you always been into interior design? Yes, what I saw was at our house, my mom did it pretty well. I mean, looking at it now, it's like crazy 80s, 90s stuff. But at the time, it was great. And I saw the reaction people would have coming over just with a, something that looked super pulled together, super expressive and fun and all those kinds of things. And then I was just, I inherited the gene, whatever creativity that draws us all to this. It's some sort of like, you know, sub section of artisticness, right? So mm -hmm. I inherited that and I was always rearranging my room and doing things. And so that's why I actually did the decorating certificate for fun. I was like, well, this is a hobby. And then I put it away. I didn't think I was going to do anything with it. I just did it. 
I love that. So it's two of your passions uniting together. And you had said that you're niching until it hurts. Or if you've mm-hmm. heard Nancy Ganzikoffer, and of course she doesn't didn't invent this, but she says it a lot is the riches are in the niches. Because you can't say the riches are in the niches, but so <laughs> so if I'm hearing you correctly, you had the interior design business, you started that, and you had the eco, which but in the beginning, the eco part of the interior design business was kind of like an up level or separate, and now you're doing them both together, and that's it. That's exactly it. So at first, okay. I, I offered first of all, I offer you know when you're starting a business and you have no idea what you're doing, it's like I'll do everything that I think I want to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll do home organizing and interior design and landscape design, and I'll offer like green or sustainability consulting. So it's like oh, I'll have five businesses and it'll be fine, and I'll market all of them successfully. Um, <laughs> and we know how that went. So you know the ones that I did get to experiment, and that's the best way to learn in life. And what I always used to tell my students when I was you know, lecturing, I would say like, just get the experience, see what you do and don't want to do. And that was kind of like my business school, you know, it was like self-taught. So the things that I could let go, I did. And then it was really down to like my two biggest passions, I guess, the design and the decorating and the emotional transformation and fun stuff we get out of that. And then the eco-friendly stuff, which was so ingrained in me as a part of my identity. I had studied at that point, you know, six years of college and then graduate studies. Okay. So let's talk about, I think we all know what interior design business in general looks like. So what did your up-level package for an eco-design, how did that differ from your regular interior design? And then I have a follow-up for you. So I didn't have in up level, I just had them separately. And then that fell by the wayside. And I was like, okay, they are getting one service, which is interior design, but I'm incorporating the eco-friendly parts into that process. And so what that looks like now, um, and I do have levels of services. So there's e-design and then full service, which I guess could be two different levels. But I incorporate my whole method and the eco-method interior name of my business is that I have a methodology of weaving in the eco-friendly stuff into every project in a way that makes sense with the aesthetic and the budget and any other project requirements. I wanted to make it as realistic and accessible as possible. So that's that's my methodology and everyone gets a special deliverable. What does the eco-friendly stuff look like? Let me have a couple of examples and then I want to ask you how narrowing this has impacted your business for the better, I'm assuming. So give me an example of like what eco-friendly design or what elements of eco-friendly design are in your, you know, design process of maybe a project that you did just so we can kind of grasp onto that service and and what that would look like. Sure. So eco-friendly is an umbrella term and within it, we could look at the human health side of things. So exposure to chemicals and toxicity. And on the other side, we can look at the footprint or impact we are having on the earth itself. Sometimes those two things are related because if you produce and use a bad chemical, that's not great for earth either. But on the flip side, sometimes, you know, just purchasing a salvaged wood table doesn't have too much impact on our health. So it's not always one and the same thing, but there is a lot of overlap on that Venn diagram. So depending on what's important to the client or say it's both, I figure out a way to incorporate that into my sourcing process based on what I know is available, what I know their budget is, aesthetic, really looking for those vendors who are doing a better job, keeping a detailed you know, database of that kind of thing. 
And so that's how I approach it really is incorporating the better things into the sourcing process. And I let my clients know what about I'm going to do or the goals I have through a little green guide I give them that's customized for them. So is it similar at all to like a a vegan design thing or is that a totally different animal? Well, no pun intended. (laughs) I love that (laughs) pun intended. Um, It has a through line in the putting something that's important to you, ethics first. I would never attach myself to vegan design because I actually make a very strong case for how sustainable leather is and how unsustainable petroleum-based alternatives are and toxicity-wise as well. There are problems in both areas, but healthier alternatives also. So in that vegan design would be green if everyone in the world stopped eating meat. But as of now, the problem is that we all eat too much meat and have hides as a byproduct. And if we don't use them, they're getting burned or buried. And that's such a waste of such a valuable material. I was going to ask you what what the sustainability argument was. So thank you for asking that. Okay. So now that we kind of have an idea of the methodology and the ideology, I guess we could say, behind the design, tell me how niching to this passion and you being the go-to designer for eco-friendly design for people who this is important to has affected your bottom line. Absolutely. And just zooming out a little bit, I can't believe I'm on like a marketing podcast because marketing when I started and especially when I didn't have it, the niche dialed down and I thought about marketing and like there was you know, just the wheel spinning, but the complete (laughs) overwhelm. I I was just like a deer in the headlights and you would hear all these things from different, you know, gurus and this and that. And it was, it took me years to pick up what resonated with me and let the rest go and test and change and come up with a strategy. And the most important part for me is that it has to be in alignment with who I am, what I like, and how it makes me feel. So I do not do certain things that could work for other people because if it just uh, feels icky for me or not in alignment, I'm not going to do it because there's so much you could do in the world of marketing that when I was first presented with like, okay, now I got to sell this thing, I nearly shut down. I was like, that was the most (laughs) difficult part. It's almost like you have to start a new business learning how to be a professional marketer. It's like, wait, I didn't get into interior design to learn how to be a professional marketer. You (laughs) somehow did both. This, that's why this is magical. And I'm so glad to know you and be here. Um, But most of us can only do the one business and barely figure that out. So it was years of testing and changing, figuring out what I liked, what I didn't like, and learning how to really let go of the stuff that I was like, not for me, no big deal. I don't have to do that to be successful. So I focus on, let's say like one of the main foundations for me is search engine optimization. And that has a few different spokes coming off of that wheel. But the reason why that felt really good for me is I am all about bringing my ideal client to me. Like I am now no longer interested in working with people who are not my ideal client. Amen. At first, when I was first building a portfolio, I was pushing my green values on people. And they're like, I don't know, is it going to cost more? I was like a little bit but it'll be great and it'll last longer and stuff like that. Like I didn't want to have to overcome that hurdle anymore. 
And as we all were at the beginning, very anxious to get to the type of clientele who, you know, wasn't going to nickel and dime you or the kind of person who is nice and pleasant and trusting, stuff like that. So I am all about trying to get the ideal client to come to me. And so that means someone who is already researching, looking for someone who might be me and I want to be the one to pop up and be like, you found me, this is it. So that's (laughs) why search engine optimization is one of my key pillars. And then within that, I do things to boost it. So stuff like PR comes into play with that. If I get to get link backs in other people's articles or mentions from big websites like apartment therapy, that has been A, great for like social proof, so to speak, that I'm able to say on my website, on my Instagram, and anywhere else, like, hey, check out, I got quoted again in such and such. And so I do that through replying to article writers, blog writers, magazines, stuff like that. Have you visited our sponsor, buildlane.com? If you haven't, why haven't you? You know, when I was doing full-time interior design in Miami, Florida, I would have given my whole collection of Star Wars action figures to have known about Build Lane because we were doing a buttload of custom furniture work. The logistics were awful, but Build Lane, the genius behind them is they've solved that. They are basically a one-stop shop for all of your custom furniture needs. They have a whole stable full of vetted vendors that are capable of building almost anything you can imagine. And all you have to do is give them a fully specified CAD file or a pencil drawing on a cocktail napkin. And Build Lane is going to match the needs of the piece that you need with one of their highly vetted factories that has all the capabilities to make that. And they'll return a quote to you. You get your own little manager. You can show your clients, here is your beautiful piece getting built along the way. Aren't you freaking excited? Guys, this is the perfect opportunity to up-level your interior design game to make yourself that designer who can offer things that no other designer can. You need to get over to buildlane.com fast. And be sure to use the special code WINGNUT250 for $250 off of that whole situation right there. That's buildlane.com, wingnut250. You're going to love them. So what I hear you saying, Erica, and your journey sounds kind of similar to mine in that when I started out too, I was wearing so many different hats and so many different, I had so many different avenues of design. And again, we're trying to build our portfolio in the beginning. We're feeling out, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And it wasn't until I kind of niched into a certain kind of design, a certain contemporary design, which was my style and, and really showing that and displaying that work that I started getting my ideal clients. Now, I didn't even niche nearly as specific as you are, but I I guess what I'm I'm getting at, oh, and by the way, if anyone out there doesn't want to waste years on marketing, uh, just call us, Wingnut Social. <laughs> we'll oh handle God. all that for call, you. Call <laughs> them. <laughs> call us, Erica. I guess what I'm saying is now that you are so laser focused after all these years of trial and error and working and you have the SEO working and I'm assuming you have social media working, like I said, if not, give me a call. And you're getting these ideal clients coming in. A lot of designers are afraid to niche because they're afraid they're going to lose business. They're afraid their margins are going to go down or they're going to alienate certain people. So in your words, how has it benefited you from 
attracting clients, having a full pipeline, the amount you're able to charge, that kind of thing. More so than, you know, the marketing that led to that, which I can 100% appreciate. But just where are you at now with with your clients that you're getting now? <laughs> Does that make sense? Sure. First of all, I feel like your niche is more specific than mine because I almost feel like I designed to so many different styles. I'm dying to know what you think about I have so many answers. I wish I had I w- thoughts. I wish I could write them down right now. But on that vein of thought before I lose it, I designed such different kinds of aesthetics for so many different kinds of projects. I wonder if that hurts me on the Instagram and I have always thought like, you know, people who Mm. seem to do really well on the socials seem to present a single aesthetic and then that draws that kind of client to them. Mm -hmm. I love doing different aesthetics all the time. So I always wonder if that is not in my favor, but yet I do have a through line of a niche that can be applied to all different styles. So I don't know what the answer is to that. As far as how it has helped So I went full-time, let's say, in like 2018. And that first year, I flopped around, threw all the spaghetti at the wall, failed miserably. And it was only really until like I started getting my legs under me, let's say in early 2020 is when things started to change. So I planted my marketing seeds for four years in all different kinds of things. And then they started to sprout and grow in different kinds of ways. And my search engine optimization through, again, that's a big umbrella term for a lot of different things is starting to pay off in that way. And now I'm getting people and the exact right kinds of calls coming in and being like, is this what you do? Blah, 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 (laughs) blah. So especially in the residential market. Full disclosure, I'm still very much a work in progress trying to figure this marketing thing out and trying to figure out, okay, I seem to have gotten, since I do design across sectors, I seem to have gotten the residential, you know, warm leads coming to me down. Now I really want to get those commercial clients, which was just off the table in 2020 and for offices and common spaces and really tap into the short-term rental and investment markets too. So that's what I'm working on now. And I'll be on building your commercial leads. What that, that's something that you can do too. I'm for interior designers. I really highly recommend LinkedIn, but there's other avenues and there's certain ways you can craft your strategy, which is an entirely different show for that. But, you know, to attract that, but start in LinkedIn, some of the Facebook groups for that. So what I heard you say earlier is you're like, you, you do design for several different styles and you're wondering if that might be hurting you. And you've noticed other designers are doing really well, just niching with one style. And you want kind of thinking, should I be double niching really? But what also I heard you say that was super important was that you'd love designing in different styles. So, you know, that's something you have to take a deep dive on. I, I don't really like to recommend people doing something, going against something that you'd love to do. Because if that's your passion, I think passion sometimes can overcome just a straight marketing philosophy. Well, you know, I really should only be doing this because this seems to be the niche that's working, you know. But if you're passionate about doing multiple, there's Lisa Christine Interiors. She does the same thing. She she does all, multiple styles for her clients and she's doing extraordinarily well as also. So you don't necessarily have to just niche to only one style if that's not what you love to do is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. I needed that. Sometimes you just need that permission. 
And that's kind of exactly, so everyone listening just heard me flip-flopping back and forth between (laughs) the beginning where I was like, it took me, you know, years to figure out what not to do, what doesn't resonate. And now within a microcosm of just Instagram, I'm like, wait, what resonates and what doesn't? And do I pay attention to that or go with the flow of what everyone else is doing? Well, so what you want to do on Instagram is just make sure that the niche that you do have, the eco niche, is front and center in all of your posts, you know, and that your aesthetic, even the colors, the white backgrounds are all consistent. And then you can still post different styles on Instagram. Yeah. There mm-hmm. we go. So, uh, all right. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, no, no. That This is why I'm here to learn from the master. So <laughs> to answer the question about like, what would I say to other people who are afraid to niche and exclude potential clients? That like really lit a fire in me when you're asking that. And I wanted to circle back to that badly after that other spiel, because that is something I'm working on right now too. And that's a mindset. That's a scarcity mindset that there's not going to be enough for you in your particular niche. And I just don't believe that in my conscious. And I'm trying to get my subconscious to get on board with me and get rid of thoughts that are harmful because there's going to be enough. If you niche into something you're very passionate about, that's the end of the story, period. Well, I have to say too, that I think that eco-design, I don't see a scarcity in that demand for this, especially after COVID. And this brings me to my next question. Have you seen a ramp up in demand for people looking for eco-friendly design, eco-friendly services? Since COVID happened, are people more aware of having healthier spaces and et cetera? Yes. Well, luckily, I've been seeing an increase in awareness in general about environmental issues, human health issues um, over the past 10 years, and then especially the past five years. And then let's for 2020, I could draw a very, 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 very long bow between something like a virus like COVID-19 and human health, environmental health. I would have to put my professor hat on and do a whole new podcast episode for you on that. I see a very indirect link. I don't know what other links people are seeing other than just general awareness about health, environment, people, planet, like it seems to just have like entered the background noise of their brains. I don't think it directly connects in any one way, except for this like long theory I could tell you later. But (laughs) overall, yeah, I guess people, it triggered something in people. And I do think it, you know, sprinkled a little bit more light on that topic. I definitely see a ton of rabid interest in it. In fact, some of my most popular episodes have been around this subject. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to, I forget the episode number, it'll be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. The interview that we did with Mike Peterson and Michelle Castagna on biophilic design. Mike Peterson was uh, had a program called Design Harmony, which was give interior designers certification in this so they can show it to clients and listen, I'm certified in this kind of thing. I'm not 100% sure, forgive me, Mike, you'll have to go check out his website in the show notes that'll be in there and see if that's active yet. But it's been super popular. So, which leads me to what would you like to see more of in the interior design industry towards going green? What are some of the positive aspirations for the industry in this niche? Yes. I mean, I am and have been seeing a greater interest on our home pros side of things in addition to the clientele, which is actually why I started my own podcast, which is very new. I'm only in season two 
So 20 episodes in total. The point of that is to continue, you know, my love for education and teach other home pros and designers what it is I'm doing, why I do it, what are tips and tricks, how to's, what to be aware of, anything under the sun in that topic. Again, so super niche podcast. Share the name. Share the name. What is it? It's called Green by Design. Awesome. And so, yeah, that's a, you know, a piece of the marketing puzzle as well to help me be an authority and a leader in that industry, which is exactly what I aim to be. And then altruistically, I get to share things with this entire industry, helping it move forward into a cleaner, greener space. It gives me the heebie-jeebies to think about you know, not just our individual contributions to things happening on this planet and our health, but as an industry, it is a big contributor to a lot of the environmental problems that we have. And again, just to stress that environmental problems are human health problems are one and the same always. So it, when I was thinking back at the beginning and I was like, okay, how I cannot leave my identity behind is an environmentalist. And this is so important to me. I have to bring it along. And I'm so glad that I did. And now I'm able to share that with other people because we have so much improvement to do. And it's kind of just like the agriculture industry and even the fashion industry, how there has been pushback and a movement towards cleaner and greener for everybody's sake. And even, you know, ethical implications of social issues. So now, see, I'm on a tangent and I lost lost the, <laughs> lost the point of it, got going there. I guess as far as the podcast, like that is absolutely what I want to achieve with that. And then we're really exponentially like impacting people because then those designers work with their clients and then those designers make more demands for our vendors. And that's a really key piece of the puzzle. Awesome. I love that. And uh, guys, go over and listen to Erica's podcast, which is Green by Design. Erica, would you be game to continuing this conversation over in Wingnut Premium? I would like to just touch a little bit more on this, but also in the green room, you told me that you had an excellent methodology for client satisfaction when you go to projects for onboarding and offboarding to get referrals. Is that something that you would be open to sharing with the Wingnut Premium group? And then we'll get into the What Up Wingnut round. Absolutely. We can't leave it hanging there. We have to keep the convo going. So let's do it. (laughs) All right, cool. So before we go over there, and guys, if you're not a member of Wingnut Premium, go to wingnutpremium.com, where I will continue my conversation with Erica. Before I catch you over on uh, Wingnut Premium, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you. You can come visit me at ecomethodinteriors.com. I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I hope so. Let, let's give it a shot. Now it's time for What Up Wing Night. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Who put this hashtag on my tombstone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to haunt you forever. Get this hashtag off of here. <laughs> Write something nice about me. All right. You are stuck on a deserted island, but you can have one of your favorite foods like forever. What's it going to be? Oh, this is so hard. I think it's going to be Korean food. Can I pick that as a whole genre? Well, can we be more specific? Do I get all of... Okay. No. (laughs) Nice try, though. Okay, I think it's going to be the bibimbap bowls with all the kimchi. God bless you. What what is it? I don't know. (laughs) B-I-B-I-M-B-A-P. 
All right. I'm going to take your word for that one. And (laughs) last but not least, what is a book that you have read that has had a profound impact on you either personally or professionally? The book that professionally kicked me into gear. Oh God, there's two. Can I give two? Okay. The first one I was going to say was Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass. Yep. Uh, No, wait, You Are a Badass at Making Money. I read first, then I went back and read the other one. That one was very profound for me. And then also when, you know, personally and professionally, David Allen's um, Getting Things Done was hugely helpful to me when I was having some trouble adulting. <laughs> Adulting is hard. Those are two very good recommendations. I have them both. Guys, check go over to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast to get the links for those. If you uh, need those recommendations and you don't have a pen and paper, can't write them down. Erica Reiner, thank you so much. I'm going to meet you over in the uh, Wingnut Premium Studio and we will continue. Okay. See you there. See you there. All right. Erica had a lot to say. And, you know, Eric and I have a lot of parallels in the fact that this is her second career. I mean, and we're about the same age. <laughs> Just kidding. No, she's super, super young, right? I don't know how, how old you are, Erica, but I know that you're a little bit younger than my 53. So there you go. Anyway, the parallels, you know, she had a different career. I had a different career. We went into the interior design business and we both learned things the hard way. And forgive me if I'm wrong, Erica, but you strike me as someone who might be a little hard-headed as well. You kind of have to experience things to really learn what's working for you, to have it really kind of hit you over the head and knock you in the face to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what works and this isn't what's working for me and my business. So I totally get that. It resonates with me. I'm sure it resonates with the audience out there with what's working for you. And I love your reinforcement that really just not to be afraid to be specific and have that scarcity mindset of niching and doing what you love to attract that ideal client. And then there is a fine line there, right? Between saying, I must do this, I must do this, I must do this versus doing things that you love. Like we talked about, you know, she's like, oh, I know I should maybe do specify in this one aesthetic, but I love doing all the stuff. Well, then do all the stuff because part of being successful in business isn't just being successful and bringing in the money, but also doing what you love. So there's a fine line and a happy medium there. And there are plenty of designers who don't specify in any aesthetic, but what you're doing right, you're doing it all right. But you you are niching. You are niching because whether or not you are going and doing a variety of different aesthetics, you're niching with it being you are the go-to eco-designer, whether it's transitional, contemporary, traditional, mid-century, whatever it is that you like to do. So good to freaking go. You know, it's not brain surgery. You don't have to niche. You know, I only specialize in putting vases on your shelf. That's it. Blue vases made in Puerto Rico. That's it. And if you're that client who needs that, I'm the girl for you. And so you can get a little too specific as well. So good on you guys. Go out there, specialize in whatever the hell makes you happy and gives you successful clients. Let's find a happy medium like Mickey Dane. Do you remember Mickey Dane? <laughs> Some of y'all are going to get that joke. If you don't, send me an email to Darla at wingnutsocial.com and I will, uh, I'll tell you how funny I am. <laughs> All right, I'm going to head on over to Wingnut Premium to continue my conversation with Erica. She has an amazing little method to get referrals from her clients that are related to this eco niche, and I cannot wait to hear what it is. If you're not a member, again, that's wingnutpremium.com, and we will see you there. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. 
You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Oh, man, that was a good one. <laughs> you must be disgusted. I can't sit still. I have to click, 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 click. Get that dopamine. Click, click, click. All right. My husband has what I call cell yell. So when he's on the phone or um, a meeting, he can't control the volume of his voice. So I just try and <laughs> accommodate that. Good boy, Mango.